dismantling systemic oppression, strengthening local economies, fostering equity and inclusion, cultivating communities for social good. We are motivated to leave the world a more just and compassionate place than we found it. A lofty goal? Maybe. An unreachable goal? Absolutely not. This is Impact Out Loud, the podcast that empowers bold impact for good, powered by Prospera Partners. Your hosts, Vicky Pazaban, Eileen Everett, and Ray Miller, aren't pulling any punches. They are diving deep, unpacking the challenges facing the nonprofit and social sectors, what is and isn't working, and offering systems-level solutions to address the truly transformational leadership that's needed for social enterprises to better their communities. This is the Impact Out Loud podcast. Now here are your hosts. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Impact Out Loud, the Prospera Partners podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Pazavon, and with me is Ray Miller and Eileen Everett as your hosts. And we've got a whole lot to talk about, but let's first uh, have a check-in. Eileen, how are you? I am doing well. As usual, my brain feels full today. Lots of things kind of sorting through, but excited to, to dig in and be in conversation as always with the two of you. Ray, how are you doing? Hey, I feel like I could probably say the exact same thing. I feel like my brain is also <laughs> full and it's always exciting to dig into conversation with you two, knowing we can really get into some topics that mean a lot to us. Yeah, well, let's get to it. I want to ask you both. This is a fun little thing that we wanted just to kind of dig into the work that we're doing. What is giving you life right now? Or what's really getting on your nerves right now about the work or about life or about the world in general? <laughs> We've had such a long week. So <laughs> I'm like, there's so really long. Long I know there's so say. many things. I think I'm going to pair it. I'm going to do both because I'm going to say a connected thing and I'm going to bring it back to our values. I, I, I think what gets on my nerves is when people just use words with no meaning behind them. <laughs> and, and you both hear me say it all the time, like, oh, that was a lot of words. Somebody just said a lot of words. And, and I think words without action are just meaningless. And it's encouraged so much for people to use words. And, and I love, I heard the framing earlier this week that, that somebody said, confidence is not competence. And I've been thinking about it all week. I'm like, mm. that is so true. And how words are like that expression of that confidence, but it doesn't mean competence. Um, so pair with that, what gives me life is that there are so many people who are pushing back on that. Like, where's the action? Where's the meaning? What's actually happening? And besides just people saying a lot of things. I love that. And I feel like I kind of want to do a combo as well. Um, what's coming to mind for me is just I was raised to be a very like logic driven person and my forever frustration with the world or, or what I grew up being frustrated by is that logic is often missing. Like, like, wait, <laughs> this isn't the way that makes sense. Like, why are we doing it this way? So I feel like that feeds into your point, Eileen, of like, that drives me crazy or gets, you know, on my nerves all the time of like, oh, the like, right, like, if we talk about homelessness it's like can't we like just put people in homes there's vacancy like we know it's more expensive to like keep people on the streets like what are we doing so like that logic piece missing and to your point like things are getting pushed now more than ever too so that that does give me that life i 
was talking to a friend the other day and having this like vision of all these progressive people coming out into like these rural areas, right? Like we know there's these major shifts happening of like progressive folks, like getting out of cities and being in more rural places. And I was like, is this it? Like, is this what we need to keep these challenging conversations going of like being in these places that have been like dominated by certain narratives and now those are going to get challenged. And I think that's exciting. I think it's going to be, what we also see is often change takes like really difficult circumstances and conversations and conflict might happen. And we do see that happening in in not great ways as well. But there's a bit of like hopefulness around that as well to see that like sometimes that's what it takes to start implementing like the shifts that we need to see. Thanks. Thanks, you too. How about for you, Vicki? Well, um, what's giving me life right now is that um, I have backup. <laughs> the two of you have been so supportive of me this week. And I was explaining this to somebody recently, too, about like how we operate. And it's, you know, sometimes one or two of you are in front for a project or a client and I, I'm behind the scenes supporting the work or vice versa. You all are supporting the work if I'm out in front in something. I was explaining how that works and that, that dynamic. And it really is about having each other's backs. So that's what's giving me life this week is that I feel like I have, my back is taken care of right now. It feels like a really nice massage. <laughs> Thank and you. again, that gets back to our integrity <laughs> and how do we show up? Oh, like, yeah. we do. We have to do that for each other. We have to make sure that we are showing up in a way that we are seeing, hearing, and valuing each other. And and that keeps shifting and changing because the world keeps shifting and changing, and we all keep shifting and changing. Yeah, and I love that because it almost comes back to like the language piece too. Because I think about you all, and and I'm like, what do I call them? Like is Vicky my boss? Like that feels weird. Like, <laughs> like my coworkers, like that's also feel like, it's like, we don't always even have the language to explain like how we engage with each other because everything's kind of like steeped in these hierarchies, right? Like right. Vicky's supposed to be at the top. Oh, Eileen's a little bit older than me and has had more experience. Is she above me? Like that's how it would kind of play out in a traditional organization. Right. And I don't think we operate like that at all. And like to Vicky's point, we were kind of passing the baton all the time and even actively, right? And that same idea of being able to shift or do things different, like Vicky might start off with a client and then Eileen can come in and be like, you know what? I feel really good and strong about stepping in right now. And Vicky might be like, you know what? I could use a break or I need to step back a little bit and like just be on the back end of things. And I do think we're really good at that. And it's, it's not a model that you see a lot. And, and it is really comforting to know, like if I'm in a place, you know, like I'm going out of town next week and I'm not like freaking out about it or feeling guilty about it. I'm like, they've got it. I mean, I'll be around if they need me, they need me, but they probably won't. And we're fine. And we can manage work well together. Mm-hmm. And I want to add in there too, it's like just the unexpected things of in ways that we lift each other up too. And, and unexpected, especially for clients, how there's times that we'll be like, well, actually, Vicki, with your theater background, 
You know, people are like, what? <laughs> you know, can, can you please actually, you know, bring that piece in because it's really relevant to this conversation. And we do it all the time with Ray of like, Ray, bring that urban planning, put that urban planning hat on, bring it in. And then you both are like, hey, Eileen is the biologist. And people are like, you're a biologist? What? <laughs> you know, and it's these unexpected routes that we've taken to be able to be where we are, but like how we all pull from all of our experiences because like Ray, I don't know what urban plan. I mean, I know what urban planning is because you've taught me, but you know, I mean, you have such a great perspective in these things and it's, it, it shows up to me in the most unexpected, unexpected ways that we work with clients because it comes in handy. It's like, you never know when all of our lived and work experiences are going to be useful for the work that we're doing. And we don't shy away from bringing it in and encouraging each other to. Right. Yeah. And it comes back to even what you were saying of like, we're so much more than our titles, right? If you just met us as like Vicki, Eileen, Ray consultants, it'd like lose all these other pieces of ourselves that actually come in to like, I don't know. It's like how we do our work well, right? Like Eileen, you bring in like experience with youth, with the environment, with, you know, all these things built into, you're not just a consultant, like that would flatten the the work that you're able to contribute like to prosper partners and right like something i even try to bring into is being an artist and something i think about a lot is like we need creative thinking like if we're talking about innovation like we need to get creative like we can't just be stuck in like a linear way of thinking so i just love that reminder too of like the full selves aspect of like we're so much more than what a resume says or, or what college you went to or what your degree is. It might come in and play a role, but it's not like this like single defining factor of who you are or what you contribute. It's probably why we can't get a 30 second elevator pitch down. <laughs> because it's it so would never do describe. it justice. It would never do it justice. Yeah. There's a great Seth Godin um, blog. You know, I love Seth Godin because he writes really short, pithy and very, smart marketing blogs. So check him out. But he wrote one many, many years ago that said, no one ever bought anything in an elevator. <laughs> so why are you bothering to create an elevator pitch, right? So I love that. And I've always thought about that. And when people are like, what's your elevator pitch about your business? I'm like, mm, I hope this elevator goes to like 107 floors because we're going to have some time to talk. <laughs> And I'm going to link this back to our work too of with clients of so often we're encouraged, especially in the professional world to step into spaces where we credential ourselves, you know, list the things like I'm always like, there are and sometimes it's necessary because otherwise you're not taken seriously. It, it's like stepping into a space. Well, I'm Eileen and, um, you know, I've worked with 25,000 youth across New Mexico. I've been an executive director. I've been in the nonprofit sector for 20 years. And also who cares? Like there's a whole bunch of other aspects to who I am as a person and to the work that, that I can do and how I can contribute and the roles that I can play. And this just gets right to those spaces then, especially our communities of practice that we support of trying to get people past job titles, past credentialing. Who are you? You know, who are you as a person? That's the interesting thing. And also moving us away from these spaces that are like, oh, let's only invite executive directors into the room. Well, then you only get certain perspectives. Why are we not inviting community? Why are we not inviting program 
focus on? Why are we not having admin staff actually be the center of the conversation who might be encountering things on a day-to-day that an executive director has no context about? And so it, it is that constant encouragement of how do we celebrate all the things about ourselves and actually move to a different place of who are people, you know, again, getting back to allowing people to be seen, heard and valued for all of who they are. And people talk about these things all the time, but actually doing it in practice and creating the space and holding the space for that for each other. It's such a beautiful thing. And it takes intention and thought and energy to actually do that. So we've talked about a lot of stuff so far today. <laughs> um, and I, I want to kind of circle back around a little bit to something that, that came up a little bit ago around our shared responsibility and shared leadership. And what does that actually look like in practice? Eileen, you, you have this great little short kind of exercise. So should we do it? Should we do like the tolerance? Okay, let's do it. Yeah. So one thing, and I know we're going to explore shared decision-making and shared responsibility in, in future episodes, because it's something we are just in that conversation really deep with one another and with clients. It's popping up in all different ways. And I, and I guess I want to root this in, there's a lot of interest and enthusiasm in the nonprofit sector and in the world right now to explore shared decision-making. And people are just jumping into it. And it is creating a lot of chaos and uncertainty and hurt and harm and all these things that are contributing to like moving away from the intentions of why people want to do actually, actually do shared decision making or shared leadership. But something we've been deep in conversation about is this idea of preference and tolerance. And so frequently we're encouraged to name our preferences. Um, rather than what we are actually willing to tolerate, which is where we can find overlap with each other. So how this can actually look in, in, in practice. And I always love since, since I live in New Mexico to bring things back to food because food is such an important part of being New Mexican. And I would say some we can't, of, we can't even make decisions without food in the room. I, we have it's to totally be eating true. a meal. <laughs> I, I feel like some of the most impactful work and decision making I've done in my work in New Mexico has been over meals and over food. So like Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> and, and really thinking about imagine if we brought 50 people together into a room, and you said, all right, everyone, what would you prefer to have for lunch? And you did that at, at the beginning of a day. Um, you would get 50 different answers, you know, because you're asking people what their preference is. Now, somebody's going to want a cheeseburger. Somebody's going to want pizza. Somebody's going to want a salad. Somebody's going to want a sandwich. Those are 50 different options. How do we ever actually move to then a shared decision? Like we're going to literally drive each other, like we're going to get on each other's nerves constantly if we're trying to find the common preference. That's an unreasonable expectation for us to hold for one another versus if we actually approach that room of 50 people more with this idea of tolerance and tolerance, how it can show up with food is more, you know, who's vegan, vegetarian, gluten free. Are there any allergies that we need to take into consideration so that we can actually find a common way to feed people in a group of 50 rather than trying to meet 50 individual needs. And then someone has to go running around and get pizza and pasta and salads. Like that's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, useless energy 
rather than how do we actually support one another to get into this conversation around what are our tolerances? And then where are the overlaps with our tolerances so we can actually get to a decision that we all can live with and move forward with? I feel like we do that with one another all the time. Like we'll have space that we say, what's our preference about something? But then also what's our tolerance? What can we live with so that we can all move forward? Yeah. Oh, so much, so much to think about and sit with. I mean, I, this is my experience every day of my life. I have celiac disease, so I'm constantly navigating the lunch thing, the dinner thing, the, you know, meetups, all that kind of stuff. And I have to explain all of this and I'm sure I get on people's nerves about it. And then I'm like, okay, can we make a decision without it being my fault that we made this decision? <laughs> like, how can we move forward in making a decision so that, and we operate from a place of voices are heard and respected, but it doesn't mean everybody's right all the time, right? So how do we move forward with all of the different perspectives, preferences? So what do we do? Yeah. I was just going to bring up that leadership piece too, or getting back to like how the actual decision is made. And I think that's where we can also see a lot of this murkiness is right. It's like, okay, everybody decides together and that's not always a realistic expectation to have. And sometimes you need to have elements of a hierarchy elements of like, okay, this one person is going to make the decision and that comes with that responsibility piece too. And needing to have that ability to know that you're going to hear all voices hear where those tolerances or those, yeah, what is tolerated, whatever, so, but what we, we've also not acknowledged is like somebody has to be the decision maker. Like you can't have right. 10 people collectively at the same time. Like, right. Somebody has to put that credit card down. Right. And if we go to a restaurant where I can't eat anything on the menu, that's my, that's on me. I'm still going to participate in the group, but I will figure out how to survive that meal. Right. So I need to Yes, I can state my preference for going somewhere else, but if it doesn't happen and I still want to be a part of the discussion, part of the group, part of the social outing, I'm still going to attend and take care of me. And that's okay, right? Because I have agency over my body, my life, my health. But this also brings up for me the um, graphic design by committee my favorite thing in a startup or a nonprofit where everyone wants to have input on how the logo is designed. I mean, if you talk to any graphic designer, they will tell you that is the worst experience in the world. <laughs> Nobody needs that. So nonprofits, if you're listening, stop, just stop doing graphic design by committee. Well, and I think Vicki, you're getting at this point of just that we're skirting around a little bit around consensus building is that people tend to think of consensus building and Ray, you were getting at this as a hundred percent agreement on a hundred percent of the things. That's actually not what consensus building is. Building is consensus is general agreement. How do we actually get to general agreement and not trying to meet everyone's individual preferences and needs? Because as Ray said, that's unrealistic. We're not, we're probably never going to get there. Yeah. And there, and that awareness needs to be there too. I'm just thinking about what Vicky just said of being gluten-free and there might not be an option option. Vicky does have the agency to still show up, but as the person who's holding that meeting, they might be impacted in knowing that Vicky can't show up as 
her full self because she hasn't been nourished in a certain way or getting her needs met. So it just affects maybe what's coming out of whatever meeting together. So just something to keep in mind. And I think what we point out a lot is there's so much complexity in everything that we're navigating. It's not this binary of like, this is the way that works. And this is the way that doesn't work. There's like the intended way that would have the best outcome, but then that it's like the needle's always moving, right? Like you can't just nail it down to one thing, but there's going to be different ways that that like manifests or or changes the way that people are going to be able to engage with each other. Wow. We covered a lot of ground. I hope, um, I hope that we aren't, um, what's the word? We don't want our audience to be drinking from a fire hose. (laughs) Because that's sometimes how it feels when you're doing this type of work. Like it's a lot, it's overwhelming. You know, sometimes we get into issues with clients and it feels like they need to absorb a lot in order to continue to move forward. But I'm super grateful for the work that we get to do and the work that our clients are doing in their social enterprises and in their nonprofit organizations and moving, moving all this change forward. Change is hard. It's really hard. And a lot of folks don't like change and there's reasons for that. And, you know, we just continually move people along and help them out of their comfort zones in that work. Last thoughts before we wrap up. Well, I would just say it's, it's rare that we would speak directly to folks for this long (laughs) without there being reflection or a break, or some time to process. So just kind of naming what you were saying, Vicky, of like, we did kind of like, I don't want to say pile on, but right, we were just like building on a lot of ideas. And that probably left folks like, ah, like, I'm still thinking about that thing you just said. And now you're bringing in a new thing for me to think about. And maybe this is just something to put out there of like, maybe as folks listen to this, like, pause, like, take a moment to pause and write some thoughts down. And And, you know, that's something we would build in if this was like a facilitated session we would do, right? We would, we are rarely speaking at folks for like a whole hour. True. I I stopped doing lecturing a long time ago. Yeah. And I think this is just an example of giving everybody a peek behind the scenes of how we operate because we all do have conversations and a lot of conversations with one another. But I think that's a really valuable point that, that Ray brought in of like, this does feel different because so often we're holding the space and pausing and supporting other people to get into conversations so they can explore these things on their own. So, so we definitely encourage everybody to pause and reflect and think as, as needed. Yeah. And I mean, I think not just listening to us, but in your daily life, I think that's an important thing to do. Take a breath. Everybody take a breath. That's what we need right now, a collective breath. All right. Any final thoughts before we wrap? Yeah, I want to add in going back to consensus building. I have a feeling we're going to dig into this way more deeply in a future podcast. But you know, all of this, this, this talk about preference and tolerance is also and consensus building you know, something that I would love for us to explore more deeply in the future too is this idea of shared leadership and shared responsibility. We only kind of touched upon it today, but so often people think about shared power or holding the power or shared responsibility and holding the responsibility. And I think that's something that gets conflated also all the time is that you have to have 
If you have the authority to make decisions, where's the responsibility and accountability for that? And just as if you're the person who's responsible and accountable, do you have the authority to actually make the decision? So I hope that's something that we can dive into um, more in future episodes. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, ever since we brought in that preference versus tolerance framing, I feel like it's just stuck with me and something I feel like I'll just be pulling into conversations in and outside of our work constantly. Well, thank you both so much. And thank you for listening. And we hope you'll join us next time. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Eileen. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Impact Out Loud podcast, the podcast that empowers bold impact for good, powered by Prospera Partners. If you liked what you heard, subscribe to Impact Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts and follow Prospera Partners on your favorite social media. If you are inspired to make community-based solutions and systems change, Prospera Partners offers workshops and programs that are open to all. For more information, visit prosperapartners.org. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be well and do good. Thank you.